once we get that feedback, once we know what people's concerns and questions are, we can continue to evolve and grow. I'm Doug Deloney. On this edition of The Next Stop, Metro's Office of Innovation is planning for the future of public transit. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. Metro's podcast. Today on The Next Stop, we welcome Kim Williams. She is Metro's Chief Innovation Officer. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate being on the show today. No, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And you head up um, what's called the Office of Innovation. Uh, What exactly is that? Um, It is actually one of our newest departments at Metro. And what we are designed to do is to look ahead at the future and make sure that the products and services that we provide our riders is state-of-the-art, that we're looking ahead to the future and looking at all the new technology and different mobility options and looking at ways to integrate them into Metro service. And so I see us as a strategic planning, strategic development arm uh, for the agency. And we've been doing, been able to do some really impactful projects from bringing Wi-Fi um, to the fleet uh, through our testing and demonstration program, and now our latest project, which we're talking about today. And that uh, is Metro Future Link. Uh, that's something big that your office has been working on uh, for quite a while. We hear a lot about driverless cars these days, um, from Tesla's autopilot to uh, various rideshare services, also testing out their versions of, of driving features or self-assisted driving features or driverless cars, all these kinds of things that we hear about, all testing the waters. I guess it would be kind of foolish for Metro to not look to the future as well and also test those waters. That is absolutely correct. And I'll tell you, our story with this really started Uh, when the U.S. Department of Transportation named Houston Metro as a part of a statewide initiative as a part of an autonomous vehicle proving ground. And the year after that, in 2017, the state of Texas then uh, made it legal for autonomous vehicles to operate in the state. So our first thought was these vehicles are coming, they will be in our environment, and we need to make sure that our operators and that our team is familiar with the technology so they know how to interact with it um, and, and any issues or concerns that we may have around it. Then we went to the next step and said, you know, maybe this could be of use in our system in some way. And so we started testing the vehicles themselves. So it's been a journey and and we definitely want to make sure that we are are exploring this. You're starting to see them in general operation, whether it is your Tesla or or whether there's a robo taxi company in your area. So it's very important that we keep up with this technology. Right. I know there's various levels of driverless technology. You know, Tesla comes with its little, you know, warnings about this is not actually, you know, you have to still pay attention and look, you know, at the road and and stay focused on what's going on. Um, And we say autonomous vehicles, a lot of times internally, you might hear or we might say AV. I always think of, I was an AV geek or nerd in high school, so I think audiovisual. But this is autonomous vehicles is what we call it. So AV is what we say. So if we say AV throughout this podcast, that's what we're talking about. uh, Autonomous vehicles. And Real quick, I'm just going to throw this out there early on for anybody listening. Um, just like we stress at our committee meetings, the, we're not talking about getting rid of metro operators or metro drivers. We're not talking about vehicles operated by metro where there's nobody on board at all. 
there will be someone from Metro on there. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to put that out there early because we're not talking about this as a way to replace uh, people, which are extremely critical in their role here at Metro. Absolutely. Um, we are focusing our AV efforts, uh, though at first was at the university level. I know we just wrapped up some testing at uh, Texas Southern University, was it? Yes, we did. So the way we developed this project is, we're again, it's the learning journey. And so we wanted to understand everything about this technology and adapted what I think someone at the board meeting called a walk, crawl, crawl, run. Uh, mm-hmm. And I may not have gotten that order right, <laughs> but to really understand the technology. And so we developed a phased approach. And the first phase was operating an autonomous vehicle on a closed loop on the campus of Texas Southern University, which is an historically black college university located here in Houston. And we were also lucky to have an area that there is a lot of activity. Uh, There's a lot of users of the system. And that Mm -hmm. first and last mile connection, which we were looking to evaluate, is a very important part for them. And I imagine it being on a loop, it makes it a little bit easier for the technology as well, because it's a predictable pattern. It knows this route. It sees it over and over again versus uh, some of the challenges I would think being out on the street is somebody hailing a ride with another service and it's got to follow a street that it may or may not have been on before. So I assume the loop makes the testing, especially this early on in the process, it makes the testing a little bit easier, right? It did. It did. We were very fortunate. We launched that that service in June of 2019. It was very well received. We had over 7,000 successful trips, no incidences. Wow. Um, The people loved it. When we surveyed people at the beginning, some were apprehensive, but once they had a chance to Mm -hmm. experience the vehicle, they loved it. And we had really high marks in terms of people feeling safe on the vehicle, about people willing to ride the vehicle and to choose it as a, as a public transit option. And so that's what motivated us to pursue the next phase, which we're in now, which is phase two. By the way, I, I, I have to mention this. I, I'm a TSU graduate, so I'm, I'm honored that you guys chose TSU to test this out. Yes. It sounds awesome. Um, and, and I have to throw that out there because who doesn't, you know, say, hey, I went to that school. So <laughs> um, yeah, we love TSU. They been fantastic partners and their center for transportation research Mm -hmm. is amazing that's great uh now let's talk about the actual technology uh, with this test phase i guess it was a smaller vehicle you said seven thousand trips um with this smaller vehicle can you describe the vehicle itself and 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 as part of this podcast we'll put the the image of it in our in our feed but obviously people are just listening right now so how big was it how many people could get inside it was there an operator or absolutely so we started with one of the early generations of autonomous vehicles that were on the market Uh, and there were not a lot at that time and so we picked a company called easy mile who uh, they had a vehicle called um, easy mile generation 2 autonomous vehicle it was a very compact vehicle six sitting six standing it didn't operate at high speeds but it was very effective in terms of being a circulator on campus at that time while we had very successful experiences with it, we also recognized that as a public transit agency, we needed a little bit more. And when I say more, that more included a vehicle that was completely compliant with all the federal requirements uh, from Americans with Disabilities Act to being able to operate on mixed roadways, as well as being compliant with the Buy America Act, which ha- requires uh, U.S. dollars to be used on products that have at least 
a high percentage of American-made parts or assembly. So we recognized the original vehicle did not meet that standard. So we started thinking of how we could resolve some of those issues. And we basically decided to create our own vehicle, if you will, using different components. And so what I mean by that is we found a base vehicle with a company called Phoenix Motor Cars. And that base vehicle is a traditional transit vehicle that is fully compliant with all federal requirements, is a vehicle that has been in production for many years and is a proven vehicle in terms of the roadway network. network. And so we took that vehicle and had it electrified and then we partnered with an automation company called Perone Robotics who did the automation work and now that vehicle has been returned to us and Metro will operate it. So we're very excited because this vehicle is larger. It seats up to 12 people and it has two areas for wheelchair securements. It also has the wheelchair lift so you can have that comfortable and safe level boarding for someone with a mobility challenge. And so we're really excited to be bringing this vehicle to the conversation around autonomy. We will always have an operator on board and we don't expect to change that anytime soon. This is an understanding that the operator has a very critical role in any type of public transit operations in addition to driving the vehicle. So this is a way to support the operator in that effort. They can focus their efforts in other ways. I know, um, you know, keeping an eye on the passengers and going back to ADA compliance, you know, we help people who may need assistance getting on the vehicle, maybe their wheelchair or the, whatever they're sitting on needs to be strapped down and, and whatnot. So, um, really want to drive that home. We're not talking about someone getting in the vehicle and there's nobody from Metro there because, you know, that's 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 not... Our priority is to... Stu- and is sparking, speaking of the ADA, right. the ADA has always been a huge priority for Metro and, and sometimes, if not often, going beyond what the ADA even requires by law. So you, uh, you don't surprise me when you say that we went for a larger vehicle that is uh, ADA compliant because all of our vehicles are accessible. This is about providing a service that everyone can use uh, whether they're getting around on foot or not not. And I know we're not doing this without uh, without any help. Uh, for one thing, I know that a while back, uh, the Federal Transit Administration even awarded Metro with a grant back in 2021, uh, specifically for autonomous vehicles. Is that right? And, and what other groups or companies are involved in our efforts? Yes, that is absolutely correct. The Federal Transit Administration has been a um, very strong partner and supporter of what we're doing. We would not be able to do this project without their support. So in 2021, the Federal Transit Administration put out a call for proposals for a program they called Accelerating Innovative Mobility. And they were looking for projects that push the envelope in terms of what vehicles and technology were available. So we put a proposal together, as I mentioned, with this um, fully compliant transit vehicle. And we also partnered with Perone Robotics to do the automation of that vehicle and Phoenix Motor Cars provided the base vehicle, and they're a longstanding transit vehicle uh, a company that's been in the space for a long time. We also have STV, which is an engineering company that's helping us manage the integration of the technology with the traditional vehicle. And then we also have Transcend, which is a local Houston-based small business that we're excited to have on the team. But as I mentioned, without the Federal Transit Administration, we would not have been able to move forward with this project. And one of the things that the FTA, the Federal Transit Administration, said they liked about the project is not just the technology, 
but the area in which we're operating in. We specifically selected an area that um, many would consider to be underserved or challenged. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually one of the city of Houston's, what they call a complete community, which is actually a community that the city has identified as a community that has been, has not received the level of investment uh, that it should have. And so we're very excited to bring this technology to this area of Third Ward of Houston, Texas, as many people know, it's the home of Beyonce. <laughs> um, but also <laughs> to be able to partner with Texas Southern University, which is an HBCU in the same area, and with their Center for Transportation Research and Training, we're also giving this opportunity for the next generation of students, of innovators, to get on the ground floor of this technology. And so we're really excited about that. And, you know, talking about the underserved uh, community, um, that's one of the reasons, I believe, that that Metro chose uh, for the boost corridor, one of those corridors, one of those routes, getting all those improved bus stops, those improved bus shelters, uh, better lighting with live digital screens with update on the transit times. Uh, The 54, which runs right through the heart of Third Ward and is a frequent service during rush hour. I think it's like every 10 minutes. I'm a big fan of the 54. Mm -hmm. I use it frequently. Uh, And that's just one of the other ways, I guess, is the AV vehicle in which um, uh, Metro is looking to improve, um, make improvements in our community. Um, So after this testing at Texas Southern University, uh, I know that just wrapped up at the time that we're recording this podcast. Here it is, October 2023. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, What is the future of of our autonomous vehicles in testing or in service? What's what's the potential here? What do you see? There's a lot of potential. So when we first started, as I mentioned in 2016, when we received the designation as a part of an autonomous vehicle proving ground, This was technology that people were saying was way off in the future. We don't think it'll happen. And now, flash forward, when you look at what's going on in the communities where you're starting to see more of this technology embedded in our personal passenger vehicles. And I know other cities are experiencing this, but Houston is just receiving its first set of robo-taxis by another company that will be autonomous um, operated. And then we we have had Neuro, uh, which is the grocery delivery autonomy company here for a couple of years now. So the technology is here, it's happening. And so where does uh, Metro fit into that? Our vehicle uh, will be one of the first in the country to move into mixed traffic, carrying passengers um, and a first and last mile service connecting public transit. And we're very excited and proud about that. Once we continue this phasing of text testing, we're looking to hopefully bring more of these vehicles on to the the service. And that's one of the reasons we're branding this Metro Future Link, because we do definitely see a future for these in, in our service. I don't. What do you tell people uh, who are skeptical about this technology? I know that's something that we have to go through a lot when it comes to new, de- new technologies in, in transit or not. People who just say, uh, that'll never work. That that phrase right there. Oh, that's not going to happen. That'll never work. What do you say I to them? I say to them is when you think about the times where that has been said in the past, I, I use the elevator as a prime example. When elevators first came out, people said the same thing. They said, I'll never get on it. I'll never ride it. It's not safe. It, it's not sustainable. It won't work. Um, and look where we are today. If You wouldn't go into right. a building without <laughs> an elevator. And so 
This is one of the tough things about technology. What I say to people is give it a chance. There have been many times in our history where we have seen technologies come and there's been skepticism and skepticism is good. I, I, I think it's good to be skeptical because I think that makes the technology and the innovation even better. Once we get that feedback, once we know what people's concerns and questions are, we can continue to evolve and grow. A good example is the phase one of our project. People say, hey, we like it but we need it to be fully accessible. We like it, but we wish it were larger. We like it, but you know, we, we want it to be able to move faster. Like if I can walk faster then the vehicle is not really helping me. Uh, and that's a mm -hmm. lot of the earlier vehicles were the slower speeds, but now people are saying, hey, we want more from these vehicles. And I think once they see how they operate, once people get used to them, it will become normal. Uh, and, and there are so many things yeah. out there when even today, when you look at your cars, smart parking, uh, lane keeping, lane departure technology, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, adaptive cruise control. That's all a form of automation. Mm -hmm. That's all a form of self-driving. So these things are not new. I like your analogy better with the elevators versus mine. Mine was always my argument was always like, look at red lights. I'm sure at a point when intersections came out with the lights, people thought this will never work. I'm not trusting a little red light or a green light to tell me whether to go or stop and put my life at risk. Where's the police officer who used to stand here with a sign that said go or not, you know, and, and, and now it's just completely normal. But I like your elevator analogy much better. I think that is a, I think your point, too, about it's good to be skeptical is good. But there's a fine line between that and just always saying no change nothing, do it the way it always has been done. There's nothing better coming out. It's not going to work. Those kinds of people, they don't resonate. It does not do well with me. There was a the commissioner of the patent office, the commissioner of the U.S. patent office in the late 1800s. I forget his name. He wanted to close the patent office down because at that point, in the late 1800s in the United States of America, he said everything that had been invented had already been invented. That was it. We were wrapping up. There's not going to be anything better to come along. Mm -hmm. And look how far we've come since that. He would probably be mind blown that we've been to the moon so i think it's that's interesting yeah, i think it's very i think when someone says that'll never work that's never going to happen they really should stop and take a hard look back at everything that is happening okay i'm gonna get off my soapbox i'll get off my <laughs> i'll get off my soapbox. no you're fine um, i do have to tell one little funny uh -huh. story yes i posted a few months ago on my linkedin page about uh, a, a news article a news uh segment on a Burger King that had adopted credit cards. Yes. And everyone, they interviewed the people in the restaurant and they said, why would anyone in the world <laughs> use a credit card to buy a burger? And look where we are today. I mean, we're tapping our cards, we're using our phones to mm -hmm. purchase things. So even then they were saying, oh, it's not gonna happen. It'll never happen. This won't work. And and here we are, it's working just fine. And everyone has, has adapted to it. And the technology is, is functioning very, very well. So you're right. You do have to be really careful about the things you say, oh, that'll never happen because the future is coming. Whether we are ready for it, whether we want it, it's coming. And once you start to see it in the marketplace, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, change is sometimes hard to accept. And I get that. It's hard to look at something that um, can be frightening for some people to, to change. And so I totally get that. Uh, but I'd like for everyone to keep an open mind. Well, I would just say... Uh, safety is always our number one priority. We would never do anything that would compromise the safety and security of our customers. So I want people to know, as we look at this technology and this innovation, we're very intentional about 
not being caught up in the newest gadget or the coolest, you know, thingamajiggy, right? We're very intentional about making sure that the innovation that we look at um, really has a value add to our customers. So when you look at autonomous vehicles, for example, it's not just about having this interesting vehicle, but it's about how do we improve first and last mile connections out of neighborhoods to public transit? Is this a service that can be used in smaller areas that may not have the infrastructure for a fixed route? Is this a technology that can help us provide nighttime service? Is this a technology that can help us do more curb to curb community connectors? So we always think about the person who will ultimately use it and how it will be of the highest and best value for them. So when we're looking at this technology, just know that we're looking at this for the best benefit for you. And we really want you to be engaged with us. Don't just say, no, I'll never, I won't try it. We really need to hear from you what you think, what your experience is, what's good about it, what you'd like to see different about it. And we can only do that if you are at the table. So that that is what I would just ask of people as we look at these different approaches um, is that ultimately it is for you and so we really need you to be engaged right. that's great that is so that is so great and it's so true as well so kim williams thank you so much for joining us here on the next Doug, thank you so much i appreciate it we're looking forward to joining you next time that wraps it up for this edition thank you to you the listener and all of our metro writers out there as a reminder you can reach metro's customer service team you can call or even text message 713 635 4,000. I'm Doug Deloney. If you'd like to check out more episodes of the Next Stop podcast or subscribe, you can find all the links you need on ridemetro.org. As always, drive less and do more with Houston Metro. Houston Metro.